Arizona, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader, Burns and Gambo, the 4 o'clock reset, brought to you by Collins Comfort AC and Plumbing, proud home services partner of the Arizona Cardinals, 4 o'clock reset. We are at the turn here on the Burns and Gambo show, halfway home on this Tuesday afternoon, which means it's time to hit the reset button, get you caught up on everything that we have been talking about, and even some of the things that we haven't been talking about, the 4 o'clock reset every day right here on Burns and Gambo. Cardinals are on a short week. That does not mean they are short on news. DeAndre Hopkins had a lot to say about his return and his media availability today. His first game off of his suspension is on Thursday against the Saints. And he, Gambo, says he's itching to prove he still got it. I don't itch to get out there. I think people are more nervous than me being out there. My opponent, I've been in the NFL for 10 years. I've been productive every year for whatever quarterback is throwing me the ball. I've never had a concern or worry. If anything, I think it helped me save some years on my career on the back end. Clearly not shy on confidence today, Gambo, huh. that's for sure. No, well, when you've had the success that he's had, over 10,000 yards receiving, a couple of 1,500-yard seasons, another 1,400-yard season, all those times he's been over 1,000 yards, he, he knows that there's no player that can cover him, you know, one-on-one and that he's going to be able to contribute right away. So, yeah, he should be confident. We also heard from quarterback Kyler Murray today who met with the media and he commented on the big story from yesterday. Would Cliff Kingsbury consider relinquishing play calling duties? Should he consider that? This is what Kyler had to say about that. (laughs) Come on, Doc. (laughs) You good? (laughs) I guess that's a no from Kyler on that topic, Campbell. Yeah, I, I mean, like I said, it's when you look at the game film and you see the plays, it, it's there are guys that are open. There are the plays that are there, and Kyler's missing them. And so, I mean, I don't think Kyler's going to blame the play call, and he's got to blame himself, look in the mirror, and figure it out. Meanwhile, the team signed another kicker today. Rodrigo Blankenship was signed to the practice squad. Uh, out, uh, offensive lineman Cody Ford, I should say, he was activated to return from the injury list where he's been all season with an ankle injury. That doesn't mean he's going to play on Thursday. It just means they have the option to activate him for the game if they want to. Uh, right now, obviously, we know about the injuries on the offensive line, and certainly signing another kicker would lead you to believe that Matt Prater and Rodrigo Blankenship's just on the practice squad, but that Matt Prater might not be ready for the Thursday game. Yeah, they're hoping for Prater. I mean, they are hoping that he's going to play, but they're not sure. There's a couple of other guys that are just up in the air from what I'm hearing right now, and that's James Conner, Rodney Hudson, D. Will. Those guys are all up in the air. I'm not getting a, a, a yes or a no either way on them. It's just it's Tuesday. They're going to see if those guys can go, but right now the, nothing confirmed, but just up in the air on those three players. Yeah, Dennis Gardeck, another player who didn't practice today. There there have been quite a few, and of course we already know Justin Pugh is out for the season. Now, tomorrow night, the Suns open their season. They take on the Dallas Mavericks. We had Mikel Bridges on the show earlier today. We asked him about Cam Johnson not getting a contract extension. I didn't understand. I thought he deserved it, and we don't want to let him have a chance to even have a chance to leave. But he kind of described it down for me. He's more calm and relaxed than me. I'm more on the other edge. Like, why don't my boys get paid? You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Seeing other guys get paid. But he kind of calmed me down. Once I saw him relax, I'm like, okay, I can relax. And then Cam was asked today at practice if he was stressing during the negotiations. He said no, and he cited the ownership situation. Not really. Um, You know, negotiations are interesting, and especially when ownership is unclear. Extremely interesting. Um, And, you know, 
Once you see that the situation is what it is, you can get over it relatively quickly and, and just be excited for the opportunities that are presented in front of you. Now, you know, I checked on this, and I don't believe that there's any factor in the ownership uh, change, the upcoming ownership change, and the situation now that would have prevented them from getting a deal done. If they want, if James Jones wanted to sign Cam Johnson, there were no restrictions. I think this just came down to not being able to agree on what the compensation was. It will cost the Suns more next year. Probably very likely it will cost them more. But uh, they weren't able to get a deal done. I don't think, based on what I was told on from a couple different people you know, inside that organization, there were no restrictions on being able to get a deal done. Yeah, which is why it was interesting that Cam cited it today because clearly from his side or from his agent's side, there was some element of it that he thought that he felt like impacted things. Major League Baseball playoffs. All right, we are through eight innings. Here we go. And the Cleveland Guardians are up against it. They're into the last final three outs to try to sneak out a win against the Yankees in advance to the American League Championship Series. But they're down 5-1 in this game. Aaron Judge homered. Giancarlo Stanton homered. It's been a big day for the Yankee bats in this one. And Cleveland might regret not using one of their best pitchers in this game on short no, you rest. Mean they, you mean they don't play tomorrow in the ALC? Yes, I thought they were saving Bieber for tomorrow. Yeah, no, they, there's no tomorrow in the American mean, League. What do you mean? The, so why wouldn't you pitch Shane Bieber today? <laughs> I don't know. I was honestly baffled that they wouldn't consider using him on short rest. I right. was really surprised. 13-8 with a 2.88 ERA, and you don't pitch him today on short rest. You go with some other guy, and he gets clobbered, and he's out in the first inning. First inning. Yep. Yeah, that's what happened today. And right now, like I say, top of the ninth, the Yankees are three outs away from advancing to the ALCS game, one of which would be tomorrow in Houston, game one of the National League Championship Series between the Phillies and the San Diego Padres is coming up in just about an hour. Zach Wheeler versus Hugh Darvish. Heck of a pitching matchup tonight on tap from San Diego. Man, yeah, I know you're selling your uh, fanship to, to the highest bidder right now, but I'm going for the Padres. Let's go Padres. Oh, I was just trying to be nice to Mikel when he was on. I'm rooting for Bob Melvin and the Padres as well. I'd like to see them do well. That game's coming up at 5. You'll hear it on ESPN 620 if you want to listen to it. From the NFL, for the first time, an NFL owner publicly has called for consideration to remove Dan Snyder from the NFL ownership. Colts owner Jim Ursay, quote, I believe there is merit to removing him as owner of the Commanders, there's consideration that he should be removed. And he stressed that the league potentially could have a majority vote to do it if they wanted to call for such a vote. Interesting. Yeah, but he's got all that stuff on everybody, right? Apparently. Apparently, Apparently they're not going to vote him out. They would need 24 votes from the other owners to approve his removal through sale of the team. So you'd have to have 24 guys, 24 owners would have to say, okay, I want this guy out. So, and maybe they do want him out. Maybe like, look, but it, it, Snyder seems to think that he's got something on a bunch of these guys, including Jerry Jones, that would make them say, I'm not going to go take this to a vote. Dan Snyder actually just released a statement in which he wrote, quote, there is one allegation in the article that I feel it is important to address immediately. The article cited unnamed sources who said they've been told Snyder instructed his law firms to hire private investigators to look into other owners and Commissioner Goodell. That is patently false and intended to erode the trust and goodwill between owners 
owners that I take quite seriously. So he's denying that he hired anyone to go get the dirt for what it's worth, but he's denying it. But um, did he say he doesn't have the dirt? He, he just said it is not true that I've hired investigators to go get the dirt. He did not say he didn't have the dirt. And I'm, real- I'm my own investigator. I've recorded a whole bunch of conversations. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> he's not right. denying that he doesn't have it. He's just saying he didn't hire anybody to get it. And the Coyotes picked up their first win of the season last night. Sarah Gambo, they beat the Maple Leafs by a score of 4-2. to What two. are they doing? I know. What are they doing there? Cost themselves ping pong balls is what they're doing. Listen, this is tank for Bedard time right now. We ain't got no business winning, winning games like that. That's crazy. <laughs> when we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, now that we're through the 4 o'clock reset, DeAndre Hopkins spoke today. We'll dive a little deeper into what he had to say about his return to the Cardinals next on the Burns and Gambo show. And Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Well, as we mentioned in the 4 o'clock reset, DeAndre Hopkins making his return on Thursday against the Saints after his six-game suspension and missing the most of the last month, month and a half of last season with a variety of injuries that he's had. So it's been a while since we've seen D-Hop out there for the Cardinals and what he can impact. And goodness knows there is a need for DeAndre Hopkins to come in and make an impact. He'll be back in a couple days. To what extent he's going to be used, to what extent he can help remains to be seen. But he was asked the question today if the offense, now that he is back, can just flip a switch with him back in. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I mean, obviously one person can't go out there and win the game, but uh, it does help having someone like myself out there um, who can dictate a lot and, uh, you know, dictate how defenses, you know, play us. And look, while in the short term, we all want DeAndre Hopkins to spark a team that needs a spark. They've been lifeless practically all season long. But I thought you brought up a great point. We talked about this earlier in the show. It also does create some kind of long-term problems if you're really that dependent and that addicted, for lack of a better word, on one guy who's not your quarterback to make your offense go. It kind of creates some problems yeah. when you think about it. Yeah, like I think it's a good news, bad news thing, right? Hopkins goes out there on Thursday night against New Orleans, and he balls out, and he has six, seven catches for 80, 90, 100 yards and a touchdown, and they win, and you know Kyler ends up having a good game. Like, oh, okay, everything's, everything's good now. Yeah, but it just lends to the problem. Like man, can, like how are you going to survive? What, what happens when DeAndre Hopkins retires, or if they if they they can't afford him in a year or so? Like there are a lot of questions about that. It's like you know why why can they not run a successful offense without him? Now if they come out there. And they just play a terrible game again. Some people may say, well, it's only the first game back for D-Hop. Give him another one. But we'll still look at it like this. The streak of really bad offense will for the, for the Cardinals will continue if they struggle in this game. But again, if they play well, we're going to sit there and be like, that's really good on one end. But it's also really bad because yeah. that, it just proves that they no, can't play without him. I, I think you're right. I, I, I know, look, we'll all kind of give in to the short-term like emotions of the moment and go, oh, man, thank goodness he's back. He's out there. And it looks so much better with him out there. You should never be dependent on one guy like that. I mean, look, this is the National Football League. Guys get hurt. Guys can play. Guys can't. Now, it's a little different when you're talking about a quarterback. All right? And now that's a conversation you can say, okay, we're really dependent on this guy because he's the quarterback. And that's just, that position is so important. There should never be another position on the field where you say, that guy's out, we have no chance. That guy's out, our offense is screwed. That guy's out, and we've got no business winning this game. And by the way, congratulations. Thank you. To the Yankees. They just eliminated 
the Cleveland Guardians by a score of five to one. They're off to the American League Championship Series. And Gambo, I'll tell you now, my my fandom is not for sale on this one. I you're am, rooting for him. I am rooting for your New York Yankees. I yeah, you're rooting for him. Much Me too. I hate the Astros. the Yankees in a World Series than the Astros. That That's how deep my hatred yeah. for the Astros goes. Well, a little, little rivalry, too. With the, I wonder if the Yankees will put Chapman on their roster. They're so depleted injury-wise. I can't wait to see what their roster, right? They had no uh, DJ LeMayhew. Uh, Benintendi didn't play. I mean, their bullpen's been decimated. And Chapman has been terrible, but I wonder if it's just a fresh arm is something that they need after that series and they add him to the roster. Eric, did you say something? Oh, I was wondering if we wanted to get a good old-fashioned lunch bet going on the ALCS. Not that I'm rooting for the Astros, but I don't think the Yankees are going to win. You're like, you want to bet us? Yeah. You guys, you big Yankee supporters. <laughs> well, that's, I hate the Astros. I, I Yeah, I'll bet you. Sure. You know, yeah, you want to bet a lunch? Let's bet a lunch. Let's do it. That's If I'm going to root for the Yankees, I'm going to. I'm going to root all the way. Let's do it. Bring it on. Babalugas, we got a bet here. All right. Me and Eric. What the Padres game start? Five o'clock. Five o'clock. That's at five tonight? Five after five. Yeah. yeah five that's o'clock. Hell, that's going to be a heck of a game. I yeah, can't wait that, to watch uh, that that's series. Gonna be really, I think that series is going to be really, really do good. Do you think, I want to go back to the point there, do you think that the Packers' problems are because the, the let's just take this another way. Kyler Murray struggling without Hopkins. I mean, Aaron Rodgers without Devontae Adams, they look like a very basic team. Yeah, but I could also say that's the case of a quarterback getting old. You know, and, and that's, uh, yeah, one guy meant an awful lot to them, but the, there you're also dealing with a quarterback who might be dealing with some father time issues himself, potentially. And so that one's a little harder to judge because of his age. Agree? Disagree? I mean, he's taken 15 sacks. So, I mean, I do think the offensive line is an issue. He's got nine touchdowns, three interceptions, but he hasn't had, you know, the, a 300-yard game. He hasn't had a 260-yard game passing. I mean, it's basically like, you know, he's had one game under 200 and a bunch of games like between 230 and 250. To your point, I think Aaron Rodgers is so good that if, if he can't overcome Devontae Adams not being there, that's an Aaron Rodgers problem. That's not a Devontae Adams problem. He's Aaron yeah. Rodgers. He's you know supposedly one of the best to ever play in this sport. He he should be wired to be okay. I don't know. He's a really good wide receiver, but I'm Aaron freaking Rodgers. I can I'll make other guys out. around him better. Yeah, better. exactly. I'll I'll figure something out and I'll make this work. Um, Hop today was exuding confidence. Um, he was asked the question. We played a shorter version of this in the 4 o'clock reset. Are you itching to prove that you've still got it after nearly a year off? He's like, I'm not itching a thing. I know I still got it. But no, nah, I mean, I'm, I don't itch to get out there. You know, I think people are more nervous than me being out there my opponent, you know, than me being nervous. I've been in the NFL for 10 years. Um, I've been productive every year. Whatever quarterback is throwing me the ball. So uh, I've never had a concern or worry. Um, I think it was December, so it was probably about nine, ten months, something like that. But, uh, nah, if anything, I think it helped me save some uh, some years on my, on my career on the back end. 
And look at him looking at the big picture. That's <laughs> how, how, good. He's looking at the big picture of being hurt. It's hard to look suspended. at the big picture right now. I mean, that's the one thing that's really difficult to do with this football team. They made it to the playoffs last year. Everything is short term, right? We're looking short term. Now, that could change. Lose to New Orleans, drop to 2-5, and five, and we're all going to be believed that you're not going to climb out of that hole. I mean, as the seven games will be gone, there'll be ten games left, and you're probably thinking you've got to go, like, what, eight and two to make the playoffs? You know, at least seven and three. If so you, I think if, if they lose, lose this if game. If you lose this it, week, if you lose but, this week, yeah. Yeah, I think I'm done. I might be done. I, I think if they lose this week, I might be like, I, I I wouldn't believe that they can make the playoffs. No, not at two and five. No, because you're right. You'd have to go to get to 10 wins. You, you'd have to go. You'd have to get at least eight wins the rest of the season. And even and even then, seven at the minimum, I think, to get in. Even if you think nine and eight can get it done in the NFC, and I'm not sure it can. Yeah, I, mm. I'd, I'd be inclined to think they're done. Yep. So everything's short-term right now. Win this game on Thursday, salvage the season, keep it alive, try to go on a little bit of, little bit of a streak. Uh, you lose this football game, and I, you know, I, wouldn't, I could take a long-term approach to looking at the Cardinals if they lose that game on Thursday for sure. Yeah, by the way, he also says he's got more information about his suspension that he's going to release after the season. Oh, yeah, man, that's a lot, but it'll come out after the year. You know, you know what, can you hear? what can I do? Oh, man, like I said, it'll come out after the year. So apparently there's more information coming out at the end of the year about... On what? I have no idea. I, on his suspension? Yeah, because he remember he had investigated it. He was investigating how he tested positive, and somebody asked him about it today. Like, okay. oh, yeah, I, I got some more information about how I got suspended and why I got suspended. I'll, I'll release that at the end of the year. I mean, at this point, what know, is, does, does it matter? Does it matter? No, it doesn't matter. Like, like you got to, you were suspended. The, yeah. the suspension's over. You've, you've, you, were, you were found guilty. You, you know, served your punishment. You, you did the time, and it's done. It's over. You know, it's, it's, I, I don't know why it still matters, but apparently it's still matters, or it mattered enough for someone to ask him about it. It matters enough for him to have some information to release about it. What that information try is, to, I have no maybe idea. Maybe try to clear his name. I mean, maybe I'm going to try to clear my name a little bit. And I can understand that. I mean, I respect that. Like, hey, you know, if, if I really was innocent, that I, even though I served the suspension, I do want to clear my name and show everybody, hey, this is why this happened. But as far as, you know, for this season, there's a lot of people going to be like, hey, man, it's like I wish that, that I wish you would have been able to do something to prove your innocence before the suspension. Indeed. We've got the Burns and Gambo Show podcast. You can subscribe right now on your iPhone or your Android. You're never going to miss any of the show. The Burns and Gambo Show podcast brought to you by Carol Royce, Keller Williams, Realty East Valley. Get a higher price selling your home. Get guaranteed offers. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. Phoenix Sun season starts tomorrow. The previews for the Phoenix Suns and the predictions for the Phoenix Suns. Not overly optimistic. We'll share some of them with you next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. That's us on this Tuesday. Let's get an update on our Twitter poll question of the day, which dovetails very nicely into what we're about to talk about here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo need-to-know Twitter poll update presented by Sanderson Ford. All right, Rubes, we got the season opener tomorrow for the Suns taking on the Mavs. What do you got for us on the eve of the Suns season? Tomorrow we're going to do regular season schedule predictions, like what do they go? But today we're looking at storylines. And what I'm asking you guys is what's the biggest one you're keeping your eyes on as we go into the Suns season? You've got four options, but it's been a crazy offseason, so there's more than four. 
DA and Monty's relationship, Jay Crowder's status for the season, the overall bench production, and the sneaky one, the age of CP3. Gambo, you said Jay? I'm going Jay because I think that affects so many other things. So I'm going to go Jay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, there's no wrong answer. And this is one of those classic, if I could just pick all the above. I'm going to go with the bench because Jay definitely plays into that. I just think the bench is, especially with word now that Landry Shamit's not going to play tomorrow against the Mavs. I think, I think the bench right now is my biggest question mark about this team. I think my second biggest is probably DeAndre Ayton and whether any chatter about him getting traded after January 15th gets any kind of momentum. You know, these first couple months of the season. But I'll say the bench on this one, Roops. 42.4% agree with you, Burnsy. Running away is bench production in second place at 23.3% is the relationship between Monty and DA. In third place at 20% is Jay Crowder's status. And at 13% is CP3's age. All right, that's the poll question. You can find it. Uh, the Burns and Gambo Twitter page at Burns and Gambo. One word on social media is where you can find it. Gambo, I feel like I, I, feel like I teased this segment wrong because I'm making it sound like the predictions for the Suns are bad and people are predicting doom and gloom and awful things to happen and they're not going to win very many games. We had plenty of years like that around here. It's it's nothing like that at all when you look at I know you've looked at a million of them. I've looked at a ton of them. All the season predictions they're not bad for the Suns. It's just none of them are great. Like no one no one is predicting anything great for the Phoenix Suns this year. Everyone seems to think they're going to take a, a moderate size step back from a 64-win season, somewhere around 54, 53, maybe even as low as 50. I think I even saw a 49 win total projection today. Everybody seems to think they're going to be good. I, I, I can't find hardly anybody who thinks the Suns are going to be a great elite team in the NBA or in the Western Conference this year. Now, I saw the... Um CBS Sports put out their their predictions, like eight different writers, Sam Quinn and all the others, and they had just in the West, we'll just do the West, they had five of them picked the Clippers, two of them picked the Warriors, one of them picked the Nuggets. So that's Kawhi coming back, Jamal Murray coming back, and Golden State overcoming the Draymond punch of Jordan Poole. Like so, <laughs> that that's you know that's what it is. It's uh, there's no Suns. Nobody that I've seen is picking the Suns to win the NBA Finals or win the West. And so I think a lot of people feel like you know that. Their window, that two-year window, was closed a little bit. But maybe, and I think it's a combination of things that they failed to do with their roster, but also the fact that you've got some really key players coming back, especially for the Clippers. And then they got John Wall, and you've got Kawhi back, and then Jamal Murray back with Denver. And the West is, is going to be a juggernaut. So I think it's a combination of both of those. Now, with that being said, Bernsey, I don't think that the Suns team that they're rolling out there tomorrow against Dallas is going to be the Suns team that they're going to roll out there when they take the playoffs, when they make the playoffs, because I do think there's going to be some changes with the Jay Crowder trade and the uh, taxpayer exception. So I do think that they can make some good moves to help this team. Yeah, the trade deadline, I I, I think, you know, and, and I know some there's been a level of frustration among Suns fans, mine included, when it comes to the trade deadline. You, you kind of wanted to see them more active around the deadline with an opportunity to really go for it and with the window that's in front of them. I agree with you. I, I think this year, more than others, you know, with that mid-level taxpayer exemption they've got in their back pocket, that they could use that, they could go get somebody. And I, I, I'm hoping the team will look a little different because I, I just, I think they they don't have enough coming off the bench to be able to help them out. I, I the, the thing that kind of hangs over this team, and it's funny that you phrased it the way you did, because it's like, 
part of it is about the West. Part of the predictions of the Suns taking a step back is because everybody else got better and the Suns really didn't. And certainly that makes sense with Kawhi and Jamal and everything that you just mentioned. But then there's this other element of the Suns where I think there are some people in the NBA community who legitimately believe that this team's going to fall apart because of Aiton and because of Jay and because of the Sarver trade. You sent me a preview today on The Athletic. Uh, the question is, are they on the verge of imploding? You know, I, I, that, that's that's uh, that's a strong take, right? Like, this is a team that won 64 games last year. This is a team that two years ago was two wins away from winning an NBA championship. We've gone from there to here like that? Like, we've gone from the, the franchise record for wins in a season to imploding? In five months, that that seems unreasonable from where I'm sitting. I, I I think I can. I think I have a. I think I have a good comparison. Do you remember when the the the, the Rockets won those two championships when Jordan was out of the league? Yes. Like that window was open for the Suns, for the Knicks, and the Rockets took advantage of it. Like not to say like you know Kawhi Leonard, Jordan, but my point is like you. The last two years with teams that were decimated by injuries, you you did have an opportunity there. Like, there was a really great opportunity to win it during that time. But now Kawhi's back and Jamal Murray's back. So I, I'm not – like, Jordan was – you know, Jordan – when Jordan was out of the league for two years, it really was – the Pacers had a chance – the Knicks had a chance. The Suns had a chance. The Jazz had a chance. Like, all these teams had chances. Only the Rockets took advantage of it. You know, with the injuries to Kawhi and Jamal Murray, forget about the other teams. We could say that, you know, Milwaukee and Golden State took advantage. Like, Golden State two years ago. Golden State was decimated two years ago. You know, they, they lost in the play-in game. They, right? They got, they got beat by, was it the Lakers and then Memphis yeah. two years ago? Yeah. The year the Suns went to the NBA Finals, yeah, that's right. Golden State didn't make it out of the play-in game, but there were injuries, so many injuries. So I think that there, you can absolutely look at it like that. Like the Suns, the reason the Suns had a great chance is because there were all these injuries. Now I still think the Suns are a really, really good basketball team, and I think that their window was still open, depending on what can happen. I wouldn't you, in a seven-game series. I mean, okay, seven-game series. Do you think the Clippers sweep the Suns? Oh no, no. Do you no. think that Golden State no. sweeps the Suns? No, that. No, no, the Suns the Suns have a chance. They yeah. may not be favored, but they, they, they would have a chance against those teams because of the dynamic backcourt, and especially if DeAndre Ayton takes a big step this year. Yeah, and that's, look, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen because of that, right? It's not be, because of any newcomer that's going to you know revitalize the Suns. It's going to have to be because DeAndre Ayton gets better. And Mikel, I think so. And Mikel Bridges gets better. And Cam Johnson gets better as a starter. I, I mean, there are, for as good as Mikel, for as good as all those guys have been, you can't tell me that there isn't room for them to be even better, and I think that's where the Suns' chances lie. Right? It is is they need to go out and make some acquisitions? I agree. The trade deadline, the Jay Crowder trade, whatever it happens, that that those additions need to bolster the team. But if this team is really truly gonna continue this window of contending, it's gonna be because those three guys specifically got better and improved and did even more than they had done. 
in the last couple of years. And I certainly don't think that's impossible. I'm just, I'm just trying to figure out in my head if people, and I'm going to use the word down, if people are down on the Suns, is it more because of the Suns and everything that happened to them or the West and everything that happened around them? You know, and I'm not, and I'm not sure there's a yeah, right I mean, answer. You know, it's both, but if you pie chart it or you, it's, it's, there's got to be one that's a higher percentage than the other. Right. And, and I, 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 I think it's the West. I tend to think it's the West too. That 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 if if it weren't for the return of Kawhi and it weren't for the Jamal and everything had stayed the same, I, I think you'd see some people who'd be picking the Suns to win the Western Conference Finals. But because everything else around them changed so much, I don't know. I just think it's more about them than it is about the Suns. But I could be wrong about that. Looking forward to the season. Can't wait to be down there. I I, I have no idea how this year is going to play out. I'm looking forward to seeing it starting tomorrow. When we come back here on the Burns and Gambo Show on Arizona Sports. Vance Joseph has relied on lots of stuff to create a successful defense. What has led to the success of his defense? You'll hear from the D.C. next on Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. Vance Joseph, Cardinals defensive coordinator, meeting with reporters today. Again, usually does this on a Thursday, but because of the short week and the Saints game on Thursday, meeting with media members today. And Vance Joseph has, you know, it's been a rough time for the Cardinals. It's been a good time for Vance Joseph. He's got that unit playing at a very, very high level right now. But even he, Gambo, was asked about all the talk surrounding Cliff on the hot seat. He stood by his head coach. It's part of the job, first of all. You know, and, you know, most coaches don't don't read it or listen to it you can't because it's just part of the job you know the team's not winning we're two and four and that's that's part of the territory you know obviously the coach is a good coach he's been a good coach for a long time you know that, that hadn't changed um it's just part of it you know he's he's coaching he's focused he's confident you know so it's going to turn and um, as a coach you have to just keep your head on and keep working wasn't that long ago that vance joseph was on a hot seat a few years ago at least in the eyes of some yeah, so he knows. Like, he knows the gig. I mean, he's going to be loyal to Cliff, you know, all the way through. Like, no matter what, he's going to be loyal to Cliff. And if they decide at some point that they, they make a change, they you know, I'm sure that he would accept the, the job as, as head coach if it was offered to him. But, you know, he, he's got his job. And that's to get that defense prepared to play every single week. But if I'm Cliff, I want to, you know, he's got, he's got valuable experience. And I've got to lean on him, too. Like, look, you're not just a defensive coordinator. You are a head coach in this league. I'm going through a tough time right now. I can't get this offense going. If you've got some suggestions that could help me, you've got to listen. Like, if you're Cliff, you've got some real veterans on that staff. You've got Kugler. You've got Vance. And you may need those guys now more than ever to, to get their opinions and try to figure out how you can get this offense out of the funk they're in. Yep, and they are they are in a funk. There's no doubt about that. Now, Vance Joseph believes that this team is still very much in this thing. Right now, I think it's 10 teams in the league that, that has winning records. You know, so it's a different year. It's a, it's an even year, and this team's in it. You know, it, it was a rocky offseason, to say the least. You know, so, you know, to watch this offseason and, and, and assume it was going to be smooth early, you're a fool, you know, so it's it's been rocky, you know, but he's fighting. I'm fighting with him. The team's fighting with him. Every week it's different, you know, but it's part of the job. He knows that. I know that. And you just kind of go along, you know, and you keep working and uh, and make it better. Okay, if you want to buy that, then you got to win on Thursday. 
I mean, you and I were talking about that earlier. You, you can't, you get to two and five, and even if you think nine and eight is good enough to get into the playoffs, that's going to require you playing at a level for the last two thirds of the season that you just haven't reached this year. And, it's, and no matter how watered down and washed out the NFC might be, to think that you can start two and five with the way you've played in those seven games and compete for a playoff spot, if Vance is right, you have to win this game on Thursday. It is non-negotiable at this point. We talked about this a few segments ago. I don't think you come back from two and five. Uh, but ten games left, eight and two, seven and three. You're going to need one of those two. And the way, and if you're two and five, what would give anybody pause to believe that you can all of a sudden go from two and five to eight and two or seven and three? You know, it's you just most people wouldn't believe that they can get that done. So I think at that point, it's you know, you're just every loss would bury you. At, once you're two and five, any loss you get. So that with your eighth game, your ninth game, your tenth game, any every single loss would just you know. Get you closer to being eliminated. This, this, you know, we looked at the NFC and we thought it was wide open because there wasn't anybody that good. And you know what? To our surprise, my God, look at look at the Minnesota Vikings. Look at the Giants. Look at the Eagles and the Cowboys. It's like, you know, I mean, and it, look at everybody. It's ahead of the Seattle's ahead of the Cardinals. Green Bay's ahead of the Cardinals. San Francisco and the Rams are ahead of the Cardinals. Like there's just the margin for error is very very slim. Yep. Vance Joseph talking specifically about his defense. They've played really really well the last several games. Why have they played well? This defense is playing good football, you know, not not totally uh, dominant, you know, not totally perfect, but they're playing good football because it's it's our guys, you know, it's 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 the fourth year of the scheme, you know, we have a great staff, we have good young players, and they're getting better each week, and it's a it's a mindset, you know, about just just you know being your best every single day and working that way and practicing that way and playing that way on Sundays. Again, it's the entire process, not just on Sundays, and you know, our young guys are embracing that, you know, practicing stuff. Studying, resting, just being good pros, you know, and our staff push it every single day about the process of winning. And that's that that's important for young guys to understand. He's not lying. It is their guys, right? I mean, it's it, by design. It's it's Zavin. Like Jayla Jones wasn't resigned and they didn't replace him. Yeah. Okay, they let um you know, they look. They, they let. They let uh, Jordan Hicks got let go. They brought in Vigil, but like they've almost by design forced themselves to have to play these guys. Because what what did they really do in free agency? Not much. Not a lot. Like you like we're gonna, we're gonna play Marco Wilson. We're gonna we're gonna have to play at some point. We're gonna have to play Cameron Thomas, Majai Sam. We're gonna play Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons. Like. I think almost by design, like, I'm not like, you know, maybe, maybe Steve Kime is like, I'm not going to go get you a bunch of veteran free agents. I know you're going to play those guys over the, over the, over the young guys. So I'm not going to address a lot of those areas. So that way you have to play these guys. Well, yeah. I mean, you, I mean it's, it's, it's Jalen and it's Buddha and it's Byron Murphy. I, I sent you a stat today. Somebody compiled all the numbers of the top wide receivers against the Cardinals this year. It's incredible. I mean, it's a Byron Murphy list. It's like a Byron Murphy hit list of guys that he's just taken out so far this season. It's it's Zach Allen who's having an incredible year. Rashard Lawrence who's very productive before he got hurt. Uh, it is. It's, it's Cardinal guys. It, and, you know, Vance Joseph was asked today about the young guys and the time they're getting and, and you know, kind of talking about Zayvon Collins to a certain extent. Young guys don't get time to grow these days. You know, you want them to walk in and be, you know, five-year pros, but it doesn't work that way. You know, it takes time for guys to grow into those roles and as a coach, you got to bounce between winning games and growing young guys. 
you know, I have, I have one job a week to win one game. So I'm playing the best player I can play to win a game. But Isaiah's doing well, and he's coming along, uh, you know, fast right now. But at some point, to your point, you do have to say, okay, we drafted you for a reason. We drafted you number 16 overall. Go show us why. We drafted you number 8 for a reason. Go show us why. And you need time to develop those guys, but you don't have that much time in this league. There is a limit to how much development you could have on a young guy when you draft him that high because there is just fair or not yeah. this expectation they're going to play well. Listen, they've got another problem, I, and I think that is like they're so close to being a great defense. Like they are real, like they're really close. So do, do you go all in to have a great defense that gives you a chance? You have a great defense, you have a chance to win every single week. You know, you get to the draft and free agency next year, and if you're able to keep Murphy and you've got Jalen and you've got Buda and Zach Allen and Sanders and Thomas play well and Zayvon and, and Isaiah play, man, you're, you're one or two really, you know, really good pieces away from having a great defense that gives you a chance to win all the time. But you have so many needs on offense. Your offensive line is in shambles and it's old and you need to replace that. So, you know, you you can look at it two ways. You can look at it like, hey, I'm going to ignore the defense because we're good and I'm going to invest in the offense and get some offensive linemen in here and do some of those things. Or you could say, man, I'm going to I'm I'm going to I'm going to go get that one guy that makes us uh, makes a difference. To, from us being a really good defense to being a great defense. And as we know, great defense, you have a chance to win every single game. Yep, absolutely. You have the Burns and Gambo Show podcast. You can subscribe just like your favorite podcast on your iPhone or your Android. You're never going to miss any of the shows. The Burns and Gambo Show podcast is brought to you by Carol Royce, Keller Williams, Realty East Valley. Get a higher price selling your home. Get guaranteed offers. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. Coming back. Where do the Cardinals' main problems lie? What's the national opinion of the Cardinals following last Sunday? We go national to find out next here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.